0: Warning. The following broadcast is not intended to be a substitute for legal advice or firearm safety, competence, or proficiency training. This broadcast is solely for entertainment, discussion, and informational purposes. Side effects may include a sudden undeniable urge to exercise your Second Amendment rights, and you may in fact turn into a gun nut. You've been warned. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Locked, Loaded, and Legal. I'm your host, Mike Giarmita, with your host, Jose Morales. Thank you for joining us once again, folks. Today, we're going to be discussing the business end of firearms. We'll talk about some practical and legal guidelines for business owners, and how to create a safe environment for your employees and customers. Now, Jose, a lot of my practice entails representing small business owners. And many times, these folks have questions for me about legal considerations involved, Uh, But I understand that you do consultations with small businesses, helping them to improve their safety plans. Is that true? Yes, I do. So what are some of the things you'll do with these small businesses to help increase their security measures? Well, we come up with individualized safety plans based on
1: the unique needs of a business. And I want to underscore and mention this right now to our listeners. We don't have to you don't have to have a multi-million-dollar business or have a business with with 20, 30, 40 employees. You can be an individual consultant and still get um, value out of having a safety plan in place. Again, it's all about keeping your customers safe and keeping your employees safe and you as a business owner being safe as well because sometimes there are sole proprietorships or one-person businesses and safety is still really really important so we come up with individualized plans based on the
0: specific needs of the business so if you've got different sized businesses coming to you will their safety plans vary dramatically Absolutely, yes. A certain set of
1: considerations for one business may be totally different or in line with another business. Everything from the demographic you're serving to the number of employees, to your location, to your hours, to the nature of your business. Is it a cash business? All these things play a part. So they're both commonalities and differences, and it can get a little complicated.
0: But at the end of the day, a certain basic set of tenants holds true. So it sounds like some of these factors will increase vulnerability of certain businesses. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, like I say criminals are not uh not stupid, they're just lazy, right? They know uh they you know, they know much like the predator, you know, the predator in them um, can tell where weakness lies and for example the cash business a business like a pizzeria or a barbershop or a nail salon or a beautician a beauty salon um, businesses that they know have lots of uh, lots of um, cash on hand are going to be a lot more attractive to a certain um, demographic than let's say other businesses that operate
0: under credit or you know
1: so it's all you know it's all
0: relative so layout's obviously going to be an important factor right the physical layout
1: Oh sure, so, absolutely. So
0: you go on site and you actually examine the physical layout. Oh yes, absolutely. We we, we go on in and I go,
1: this sucks, this sucks, this really really sucks. You know, <laughs> we walk people through and and it just takes a little bit of a shift, a little mind shift, because we're card carrying good guys. We are listening to this because we want to, we want to, you know, we want to be safe, you know. But we don't think like predators, you know, and we need to start adopting some of that predatory mindset so we can identify when
0: we're most vulnerable, and that's really the key. So, that seems like it's really important when you're identifying these weaknesses and these weak areas, when you're pointing out this sucks, this sucks, this sucks, you're thinking the way a criminal would, and using that to identify them. Is that true? Absolutely true. Absolutely true. You know, and, and to be fair,
1: sometimes I say, you know, this is not that bad, or this is really good. It's uh-huh. not it all, doesn't always suck, but more <laughs> often than not, you know, we learn more by having our weaknesses pointed out than our strengths, I believe. You oh, know, Right.
0: Well, their money is best spent with you telling them, hey, this could be a serious problem in the future, right?
1: Absolutely. You're not there
0: to pat them on the back and tell them Make them, them feel good, job. yeah. And I feel like uh, taking on that mindset thinking the way a criminal would that's something that seems to come more natural for folks who were raised in New York wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, absolutely. For us, New York is absolutely yeah. We, we think like because we're indoctrinated, you know, in a, you know, being from a big city, we're indoctrinated from day one by our parents. You know, um, be aware of everybody around you. Uh-huh. If someone stops you asking for a for a light or a cigarette or the time, you don't smoke, you don't have a watch, you know, which is kind of embarrassing sometimes because you forget you have a watch on your wrist. You don't want to be rude, but you know, being a New Yorker, you know, be being rude is part of the uh, right. part of the allure, it, right?
0: It, it's broken. They- a hike it's for decoration <laughs> there you go there you go my bling is just for me yeah well we had a serious problem when i was growing up with slashings that's what would happen they'd ask you for the time people look down they get slashed and of course they've got all kinds of gun control in new york but a couple of years ago i think slashings were at an all-time high believe it or not but all these studies for one reason or another only mention Gun crime, gun violence. They don't mention violent crime overall. And I think last time I checked, uh, Mike,
1: aren't the knife laws in New York kind of tough as well? We're not <laughs> yeah, going to go there. There are some
0: horror stories. Yeah, we, we won't go there. We're going off topic here. <laughs> off topic here, but so that, we'll that, that sounds like a, a very, a very good strategy that that you're thinking the way a criminal would to identify these weak points and helping business owners approve upon them absolutely yes
1: absolutely that's key you know think outside the box think and identify think about um, your situation from the perception of the uh, from the perspective of a criminal right and uh, and find out when and identify when you and your employees and your customers are most vulnerable that's really you know one of the keys is is identifying vulnerabilities and then having plans in place to address those vul-
0: vulnerabilities and minimize them so great idea great idea so now I know you said that every plan needs to be customized to some extent and that no uh, one-size-fits-all plan is going to work for every business and you've got a lot of different considerations when creating a plan but are there certain common issues that you see throughout businesses when they come to you initially? Um, yes, that's, that's a really good question. One of the main, I think, issues is that
1: sometimes businesses um, don't really think about or want to kind of think about the worst case scenarios and have plans in place. They just kind of want um, uh, the issues kind of glossed over, like the minimum amount of uh, of um, intrusion necessary in order to kind of keep their businesses flowing. And sometimes they turn a blind eye to options that um, really need to be explored, um, like, like use of deadly force, like having an option to protect yourself and your customers. Um, again, it's not, our consultations aren't gun consultations, but like anything else, firearms are a tool um, to protect ourselves, um, as are many other options. But, you know, I guess going to going towards this with an open mind
0: um, is one of my best um, bits of advice. So do you find that there are certain fixes that people can almost make instantly, such as, I don't know, maybe... Uh, changing up their access points, or having oh. cameras, or something like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, great. You, you're on a roll today, Mike. <laughs> That's hot. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I'll spend a lot of time around <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, analyzing weaknesses is a real, real um, important point. Is analyzing when you're most vulnerable. Um, and, uh, and having plans in place for that. So one of the common issues I see is um, unauthorized access. Unauthorized access is a big one. Um, you need to be able to be accountable for and know who's coming in and out of your business, who's there and that not only you know applies to let's say criminals or individuals you don't want um, on your business but you know employees your same employees you may not want them let's say in a back office or you may not want them in the storage room so it's important to um, limit access and control access not only to the business but maybe even within the business so thinking along those lines, access is a really big, um, common factor. Also, you know, daylight, um, a darkness criminals tend to, um, commit crimes in, in greater degrees when it's dark, cause it's easier to get away with it. So, you know, having lights, having maybe, um, automatic lights, having cameras in weak areas where you can identify with having secure locks and actually locking the system or, Having an alarm system and setting it to to beep when doors open so Mm. that if you're tied up and busy, you know someone is there. See, all of these um, safety principles, they can apply to individual safety as well. You know, awareness, alertness, having a plan in place are themes that, you know, recur over and over again. So, um, again, access and lighting is another big issue and just awareness, you know doing what you need to do to be able to be aware of the individuals that are coming and going and then i guess my final um i guess point that just jumps out at me is not having routines so if you're a small business owner and you know it's a cash business avoid having routines so if at 5:10 you close your doors and you always count your cash at 5:10 Um, Just be aware that you're probably being observed um, and don't be surprised if at 5.11 or 5.12 or 5.09, someone breaks through your door and grabs your cash. So these are things that we can, you know, we can avoid just through simple steps. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about ways to avoid being a victim as a small business owner. hi jose morales here mike and i want to take a minute to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to listen to us if you find the broadcast interesting or informative please tell others about us and consider showing your support either by becoming a patron on patreon or through a donation on paypal via the links at lock loaded and legal.com thanks again and stay safe
0: And we're back with Locked, Loaded, and Legal. Just a reminder to visit us at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com for our contact information and our social media platforms. Tell us what you think, because we're here for you, the listener. Now, Jose, when we left, we were talking a little bit about the importance of taking safety precautions as a small business owner. You mentioned it could be very dangerous to get into a routine. And you started to briefly touch on some of the problems with that. You also mentioned some quick fixes, such as Uh, access points, and you talked about maybe having an alarm system that alerts you when somebody's coming in. We see very, very primitive forms of that sort of stuff in many businesses, don't we, with maybe bells on the door, or when you're walking in, it makes that annoying noise where somebody's standing by the door and it won't go off. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, those little beeps and chirps and noises. Yeah. Yeah, we see those all the time. So, are those really some kind of form of a safety measure? Um. Absolutely.
1: It, you know, it's it's letting you know that someone has just entered your area. It's another you know you know uh, it's another um, sign that someone can
0: be is there. So, beyond taking precautions regarding the access points, you mentioned cameras and lights. Uh, let's start talking guns. Because I know that some of your clients have serious questions about firearms, handling, safety, and training in the context of the small business. So what are some of the considerations on that front? Well, I mean, first, I guess, decide whether or not you
1: want to take on the responsibility of having a firearm in your place of business, you know? Um, whether or not you are capable of and or your employees are mentally capable of using that firearm in the event they have no choice um, that's i think you know key of uh, the key question that needs to be answered um when when a, when a, when it a, that's one of the key questions that needs to be answered when you're adopting a firearm as a potential a
0: self-defense solution so are there any concerns when it comes to accessibility, who can get their hands on it, who can't? And then even further than that, uh, when time is, is right, when, when the firearm's necessary, getting a hold of it in a timely manner. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Access to that firearm,
1: much like access to the firearm in our homes. We're responsible for, you know, who is able to access our firearms in our homes. We're doubly, you know, um, responsible in our businesses because, again, we have employees that are in family members, individuals that are not family members, which throws in another layer and level of complexity to the mix. Plus, we have potentially um customers coming on in and you know god forbid uh, a customer finds out or a casual visitor finds out about your solution there you go, having to worry about that firearm being stolen because, again, a lot of times these you know, guns that get into the hands of criminals are stolen from homes and cars. And now it's one more um, access point to your firearms uh, a business. So it takes some proper mindset, some proper training and plans in place in order to adopt this. It's not just buying that gun, sticking it in the in the boss's safe and saying, OK, well, we you know, we
0: have an option now. Mm. Uh, no, it can be a liability. Really? Sure. Sure, because if they're using that firearm in the scope of their employment, then ultimately the business is going to uh, have liability if they use it in a prop- in an improper manner, at least on the civil side particularly. So when you've got employees who, who could potentially use firearms in the scope of their employment, one legal consideration you want to take into account is whether they're armed security. Because if they are armed security, truly, then many states have laws regulating armed security, and in Pennsylvania, particularly, you'll need to have Act 235 training. You familiar with Act 235? Yes, it's
1: called Pennsylvania Lethal Weapons Training Act 235. It's a fancy way of saying armed security guard training, but we're you know we're not going to go there right now. I mean, right. one thing that just kind of came to mind is if you have employees and even maybe even family members. Is the use of that firearm in accordance with their personal, religious, and moral beliefs? I mean, you can't really force uh, you know, an employee that may not want to have anything to do with that gun. Um, they may not even want to be in the same room with the gun. You know, I've had situations uh, arise where people are that adamantly against guns. So, again, with employees,
0: things get a little bit more complicated. So a little thought needs to go into the process. Sure, we've seen that attitude with teachers, particularly these days when there's been a discussion about teachers carrying and some teachers coming in and say, well, if teachers start carrying, I'm done. I'm not I'm not coming to work anymore. Well, that's not that coming out of the
1: mouths of the students,
0: <laughs> the students, the <laughs> students and the teachers, I guess, right?
1: You know, but then, but you know, Listen, listen. If if that happens, then if a teacher says, you know what, there is no possible way I'm going to go to work with a gun on campus. Um, find another teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's my opinion. Find a teacher that is willing to get armed and trained and willing to uh, to protect those children. Um, because again, as as car carrying good guys, Mike. You know, I think we've had this conversation before. If if I was in the vicinity of an active shooter, and I'm sure, you know, I can speak for you, uh, we wouldn't be running away from it. We'd be running towards
0: it with our legally licensed firearms, right? Sure, and I think the same principle applies to small businesses, right? If, you know, we've got customers and employees that we care about and we could have a means to protect them in a situation where their life and their limb were in danger, then we'd want to be able to do that for them.
1: Um. Well, yes. People that think like uh, like most of our listeners and that the way we do, yeah, absolutely want to have an option to protect, uh, protect them, and protect ourselves. But again, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And then we have that responsibility to train, to have a plan, and to and to practice those plans. Again, it's just not getting the gun. It's you know having a frank conversation with everybody that's involved with that, with all of your employees, um, with um, you know, with uh, with other co-owners and such, with anyone who's going to be. In, in access or have access to that firearm. um, We have to have these conversations and we have
0: to train and have plans in place and practice those plans. So you've said consistently access to that firearm. You've talked about having a firearm in boss's desk or boss's safe, but do you have... Situations where the employees will simply have their everyday carry on their person.
1: Well, you know, I don't advocate having that firearm in the boss's desk because I'm not a big fan of off-body carry. Hmm. I just, uh, I just, I'm, uh, I'm parroting what you know. Some of my customers have come ah. on and said, they said, yeah, I, yeah, I have a gun, yeah, and uh, it's in my desk there, and everybody knows I have it. I go, uh-huh. oh, wait a second, yeah. no. First of all, it, n- everyone doesn't really need to know you have it. Is it secured? So, you know, that's one of the uh, what I call a teachable moment for my customers. But um, yeah, you know, we need those discussions need to take you know to take place, and people need to have plans in place. Are these primarily pistols that people are carrying, or? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's mostly mostly pistols. They're mostly pistols that are thrown into a uh, into a drawer, and sometimes uh, the business owners will either conceal carry themselves um, or you know have somebody designated to conceal carry. But again, it's one of these things where consistency is really really important. And I know as a concealed carrier, uh, and you do too, right? I mean, it's not always fun to get up in the morning and strap on a pound of gun, right? You know, man, maybe the flashlight, spare magazine. You know, it's not fun necessarily, but we do it because you want to have an option um, to protect ourselves. It's very easy sometimes. I see businesses start with the best intentions and, and end up with that gun in a shelf, behind a plant, in mm-hmm. a drawer, you know. And when I go ahead and say, hey, guys, what's this right here? I go, Well, that's our gun. So I, I say, well, this dusty, dirty, nasty thing that has, you know cobwebs on it. Who was president last time you took this out and shot it? You know, they go, oh, that's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, again, it's not falling into
0: complacency as well, because that's, you know, an area of weakness. Now, what about having a physical plan? So, you know, stuff is going down, what do the employees do, where do they go, that sort of thing. Do Do they practice drills of some kind? Usually not until we tighten them up and we teach
1: them the importance of doing that. That's one of the things that I I ask is, so what are your plans if somebody comes on in um, and they, they even become irate? you know do Mm. your customers know you know de-escalation techniques you know do they know how to identify someone who may have a a a psychological um, issue do they know what to do in case someone um, needs to be either asked to leave politely do they know who to call and when to call so these are you know situations that um, come up but people are unfortunately not very prepared for so i guess when we come back we'll talk a little bit more about those concerns So before we left uh, to break, we're talking a little bit about uh, de-escalation techniques and uh, teaching uh, your employees how to deal with just common issues that you might find on a day-to-day basis. And Mike, you'd be surprised how many businesses that I consult with have absolutely no plan in place until after we set one up for them and bring bring those issues to their attention.
0: That's a shame. That's a shame because this is something you really need to think about. Anytime you're number one, responsible for somebody's safety, your employees, your customers, or number two, any time that you're going to introduce a tool of deadly force, uh, you really need to have plans in place. This is how we see tragedies happen, and also have options as well.
1: you know we talk about having options for personal defense, okay, so let's say you don't want to have a firearm that may not be the most appropriate tool in your opinion for one a multitude of reasons. Yeah. Well, have options as well, so pepper spray is a defensive sprays are also very good options, but again, they're not you know a one size fits all just stick it in your drawer kind of solution. you need training, you need to know how to use it, and the individuals need to know that. Um, you know how and when to use it. it. I'm sure it can be a legal liability. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so there's, you know, there are lots of there's lots of thought that needs to go into these solutions.
0: Yeah. And on the legal side, we see civil liability that could potentially arise. You know, if you're responsible for your staff when they're acting in the scope of their employment, so you could end up with a civil lawsuit should something go wrong. Or if you fail to protect, if you have a duty to protect your employees or your customers and you fail to exercise the appropriate standard of care, you fail to protect them, then you might have an issue there. If you know that employees are carrying or if you're encouraging them to carry, it's incredibly important that you make sure they understand the laws of deadly force, right? Encourage them to go to a seminar and learn these things, or take a course with a certified instructor. Again, we're going to be course biased because the, that's what we do all the time. Well, but uh, I, th- I think the problem is that we see what happens when people don't take these measures.
1: Absolutely, we see the, you know we see the uh, the post uh, you know the post shooting or post incident suffering that takes place, especially given that we we live in a state Pennsylvania that requires no formal competency. Um, we see the 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 rings and that people have to the hoops people have to jump through after the fact, and it's always going to be more more daunting, more expensive, and
0: a a lot more, and less effective. Another thing people need to consider is defense of others. Uh, You need to understand the laws in defending a third party that may come into play, whether it's on the criminal side, right? What is the justification standard when defending a third party in your state? Are there civil implications if something goes wrong? For example, if you're trying to protect another person who's in danger and you end up hitting Uh, an innocent third party, right? You don't hit the intended target, you hit an innocent third party. What are the implications of that? Now, in Pennsylvania on the criminal side, uh, the courts have found in the past that there's no criminal liability, and what happened was uh, there was a gentleman who was being attacked, used deadly force, uh, was justified in pulling the trigger, but unfortunately, one of his shots hit an innocent bystander, and The prosecutor argued that his use of deadly force was justified against the intended target but not against the the innocent bystander. Uh, The courts ultimately held that his use of deadly force was justified regardless of the fact that one of his rounds accidentally hit an innocent individual. Now the civil side might be much different because you're dealing with a standard of care Did somebody breach that standard of care under the circumstances? Uh, Did they deviate from that standard of care? What are the considerations involved? Uh, Would a reasonable person under those circumstances take that risk, right? Based on your uh, abilities and the surrounding circumstances, should you have taken that shot or did you put them in greater danger? And I think the problem becomes when you're using deadly force to protect a third party, You'd have to have a jury essentially find, uh, you know what, and I think we spoke about this in a previous episode, you'd have to have the jury find, just go ahead and let the criminal do what they've got to do. I'd rather take my chances in being harmed by them than have you at least try to intervene. So that becomes problematic. And these are decisions that we may have to make
1: under stress. And we all know that under stress is not the best time to make important decisions. So all of these Concepts that we've talked, Mike, about, they all tie into the personal protection and defense concepts. They tie into the business as well. Fields of fire. If you're going to have a firearm in your place of business, analyze the directions in which you're going to need to shoot. If you need to shoot, where is the firearm stored? Worst case scenario, what direction am I going to have to shoot? And what that path of that round is going to be are all really, really important. Also, taking the time to train is really important as well we don't want to figure out you know last minute that uh we went ahead and we just grabbed that gun and we sprayed and we prayed and so that glock 17 you know you have what 17 rounds in that glock 17 you know everyone is you were accountable for every round that exits that barrel so we also need to hone our shooting abilities as well our firearms handling abilities again it's not just having the gun and
0: what I call a false sense of security, which happens more often than not. Now, one thing I do have to get out there while it's on my mind, I, I do have to mention this. Make sure that you're using deadly force in a manner that is justified under these circumstances. And the reason I bring this up is you see far too many videos of folks chasing perpetrators out of their business and shooting at their back while they're running away. Understand the laws of your local jurisdiction and understand that there is a big difference between protection and revenge. Right. You can't actually go hunting for the threat, right? That would be bad. Yeah. Many times that would land you in jail for a very long time. So you've got to make sure that you understand these laws and really whatever it is that they're taking, it's not worth it. Absolutely. I mean, I think a good resource for people to read is actually Pennsylvania Gun Law Armed and Educated. We talk about that a little bit in the book, sure. Uh, This is a topic that comes up all too often, unfortunately, because it seems like uh, from time to time we see folks on the news who end up in these situations where perhaps they would have been justified at an earlier point, but they hesitated for one reason or another, and they end up you know, shooting at the person when it's no longer justified. And I e. meaning when they're no longer a threat. When, when they no seems to threat, be a
1: threat, you can't really shoot.
0: Sure. And the problem is that as law-abiding gun owners, that really harms our community as a whole. Uh, we see these kinds of situations uh, where they they seem almost like executions to a certain degree. And a lot of people say, "Well, you know, that bad guy deserved it. He went to go steal something. We got to follow the law. Right. We're, we're not." outlaws right we're we're law-abiding gun owners we've got to follow the law and if we think the law is wrong then we've got to make steps to try to change the law but we don't just ignore the law and kill people when it's not justified or even worse yet not know the law and i again you know i
1: empathize with our listeners when i read some of these books on the law they read like stereo instructions they really do god i don't Mm -hmm. know how you went made it to law school (laughs) i'd gnaw my leg off and beat myself with it but you know Take a class, take a seminar, contact us, ask questions. We'll make some recommendations if need be. But please, you know, don't learn the hard way. Let's learn from other people's mistakes. And that's really what this show is all about, to try to empower you, the listener,
0: with the knowledge you need to not be a statistic. Because, again, we don't want you to be a statistic. One of the things I was just thinking about came to mind, We're talking about protecting small businesses and and the layouts, things of that nature. Could potentially posting too many pictures of layout and things like that end up being harmful to the business and their safety plan absolutely social media is a
1: great way to gather information you know to gather information on the layout the equipment computers yeah i mean you'd be surprised at how much reconnaissance happens you during using social media so really good point maybe we can talk about that in another episode hmm. that would
0: be great so we look forward to being back with you folks on many other occasions, let us know if you've got any ideas for new topics. Remember, we're here for you, the listener.
1: Absolutely. And if you guys have any um, any tips or any tricks or any experiences you want us to share with uh, the rest of the listeners, please reach out to us at LockedLoadedAndLegal.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's why we're here. Hey, this is another episode gone, huh? It sure is. Time flies. Hope to see you guys soon. Thank you for visiting. Take care, folks. Thank you for listening to another episode of Locked, Loaded & Legal, brought to you by Philly Firearms Radio. For more information and to show your support, visit LockedLoadedAndLegal.com.